The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode... On a, on a day-to-day basis, she is consistently faster, smarter, stronger than my CGM. She'll alert me before my CGM starts beeping at me. She'll alert me maybe even 15 minutes before a really bad low. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. How's it going? And welcome back to the Insulone Podcast. Whatever you're up to right now, if you have headphones in, cleaning your house, if you have headphones in, going for a run, if you have the podcast on in your car, driving to work, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thank you for tuning in. It's always amazing to know that you're listening to the podcast. And actually, on that note, Myself and Graham were speaking recently, a couple of weeks ago, and we were looking through the podcast stats and the analytics and who's listening to us and where you're listening to us from. And Graham told me that the podcast now is listened to by so many diabetics around the world that there's never a time over a 24-hour period that somebody isn't listening to the podcast, which is phenomenal to even try and comprehend so for everybody to you right now for listening i greatly appreciate it because the past couple years has been a journey with the podcast let's let's put it that way but i absolutely love it and the fact that you come back week on week on week proves that you love it too you're enjoying it and you're benefiting from myself potentially and the guests that we have consistently and which leads me on to the guest that I have today, which is, which is, who is Mr. Austin first? And Austin is actually the second guest that I ever had on the podcast nearly two years ago, which is, again, phenomenal to even think about. But basically, throughout this episode, me and Austin are good friends. We've known each other now for over two years. And he's been living with type 1 diabetes since the age of two. And throughout this episode, he offers some incredibly helpful and practical advice around managing the condition for anybody, regardless of how long you've been living with the condition. 
We talk about creating habits during hectic and stressful times, pump and diabetes tech malfunctions, what diabetes burnout means to Austin, what it actually is to him, how to get back on track when he's feeling burnt out, training his diabetic alert dog, Hazel, and so much more. I really enjoyed this episode. And anytime me and Austin speak and link up, it's always just a really enjoyable conversation. So I hope you enjoyed as much as I enjoyed recording it. And as always, have a great day. Chat to you soon. It's as if the podcast has done a full turnaround now at this stage. You are the second ever guest. And what an before honor. We, what an honor. What, what can you say? What an honor. What an honor for me, Austin, to have you on as the second guest. But before we pressed record, I was looking at the exact date that me and Austin recorded our first episode, and it was May 13th, 2020. And it was episode number 11. And I'll be honest with you, Austin. Before this episode, I wanted to listen to that episode to refresh my memory of of what we spoke about. And it was awful (laughs) listening to myself speak because I feel as if I sound very different now after doing 130 episodes. So it was embarrassing to listen back, but you were great. (laughs) I I think that a lot of, what we do as humans is like one thing that we know when we do it correctly is we improve. And whether that be just speaking and interviewing, because interviewing in itself is hard. So props to you for doing a, a great job with that. So I think that you've vastly improved from day one when you were just little, little Owen um, <laughs> interviewing people about diabetes. And now you're you're where you're at today, which is crazy. Two years into it and absolutely crushing it. Oh, nice one. I appreciate that. A great honor to get a compliment from you, Austin. So very nice of you. We were supposed to record last week. And yeah. unfortunately, you couldn't record because you said your pump fell out while you were sleeping yeah. the night before. Yeah. So yeah, tell us was, how, how you were feeling that day. Um. Well, so that, that night... Um, I had just gone to bed like, you know, normal people do, sleep. Um, and I tossed and turned when I sleep. And so I guess I thrashed a little too aggressively and popped uh, my sight out, um, which sucked. And so like during the middle of the night, like I kind of felt like my blood sugar was rising and Hazel woke me up a few times. And so I, I still thought it was connected to me. And so I was giving myself insulin without it going in in into me and so i woke up and i was still really like i was like 300 and i was like what why is my blood sugar not not coming down right now and then i fully woke up and i pulled my pump out and then i pulled the tubing and like oh that's why but when i when i uh texted you i was probably around 400 and rising Wow. Um, Let me just do a quick calculation for for anybody who uses millimol. So th- that's like, yeah, twenty two point two. So very high. Yeah, it was it was not fun, but ended up coming down eventually. I actually took some Afresa to um, get into my system a little bit quicker because I've got um, some of that insulin lying around. Uh, I don't use it often or consistently, but in a pinch it's phenomenal what is that austin for anybody who might not know 
Um, a Fresa is some people call it a freezer. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it is inhalable insulin. Um, and so you get this like little inhaler thing and then um, it's has a little capsule they put into it, depending on it comes in, I think two, four and eight units of insulin. I think there also might be a 12 and then you just breathe in and you, it, it gets absorbed through your lungs. And because of that absorption technique, it will absorb like probably at least three times as quickly as traditional insulin through uh, injection, which is absolutely ridiculous. So like in a pinch if I'm high and it's not coming down or I'm just feeling really crummy, I'll do that and it does the trick. It's absolutely a game changer. It's unbelievable that that even exists. And I, yeah. I don't think I've ever spoken to anybody in Ireland who uses it or even has used it and the first time that i even heard of it was when me and you met for the first time when we were in la back in 2019 for the yeah. diabetes awards and somebody was telling me about it i think there was like an afresa promoter or somebody involved with the company and was telling me about it and i was like what that actually yeah. exists inhalable insulin so do you then austin use that the same sort of way that you would use an insulin pen or an insulin pump, for example, if you're having your lunch, you'd, you'd carb count, you'd know the amount of insulin you take, and then just inhale that insulin that you need. Yes, ish, kind of. So the thing with it is you can't really fine tune how much insulin you're getting. So you are stuck with two, four, six, or two, four, eight, or 12 units of insulin, and that's it. You can't go like five and a half. You can't go five. You can't go six. You have to either somehow stack or give a little bit above or a little bit below just with the amount that they, they offer. So in that sort of sense, it's a little bit harder to make sure that you're getting the right amount. Sometimes like I don't use it as often as I used to, but when I used it a lot, I would kind of try to almost dump a little bit out just guessing because like the insulin itself is like this little powder. And so it kind of looked out like I was dumping out like some sort of drugs or something. I'm like, I promise (laughs) this is just insulin. Please don't hurt me. And so, you know, is the the simple answer. So you use it then primarily to kind of combat stubbornly high blood sugars because it, it works so quickly. Yeah. Yeah, that or the other use that I, I have for it is if I am making like a, a high calorie like protein shake because that always, no matter how much insulin I give or when I give it, it seems to have an issue not playing catch up with, with the, those carbohydrates and that protein. Mm. And so what I would do, I would kind of almost do a half and half. So like say the shake had 80 carbs. Um, I'll do four units of traditional insulin, and then I do another four units of the uh, Afreza. And that would kind of negate that initial spike when I had all that carbohydrates and protein. Mm. So what's the active time of it? So I'm kind of even comparing this to my own insulin that I take for meals, which is Nova Rapid. So generally, the active time is kind of three, four-ish hours. What's yeah. the active time for a Fresa? I think it has a peak time of, I'll have to look this up. 
peak time of 30 minutes and then it'll have a full working time of like an hour but let me let me look that up because i am oh, not so it's sure like quite quick in and out essentially. yes yes i'd love to try that send me some <laughs> it's it's yeah absolutely i know if i i'm planning on hopefully coming coming up to your neck of the woods um in the next year or so so oh nice um, well bring I'll, I'll plenty of inhalable insulin yeah. for the whole island yeah, of ireland absolutely and uh, we, right. <laughs> we can all we can um, all inhale it together. So it has about a peak time of twelve minutes, and it'll leave your body within an hour and a half oh. and three hours. So it is quite quick, much quicker yeah. than overabbed. Yes. And would you bring that out with you, Austin, or do you just keep that at home? I can bring it out with me, so it doesn't technically need to be refrigerated. I don't think. Um, and so like, it's good to have, like, I have like my little myabetic bag that I bring pretty much everywhere with me and I, I keep one or two in there just in case I have a crazy high that, um, just came out of nowhere or I need to get somewhere. I need to like be able to drive and my blood sugar is too high to drive. And so that'll be kind of a, a nice, just little, just in case. Presumably it's only... Fast acting, are there any long lasting insulin versions of it, or is it just the one? I don't believe so. I think it's just the one. So, the night, Austin, that your pump came out and you obviously woke up at three, four hundred feeling pretty awful to say the least. How often does that happen, or has it happened to you many times in the um, past? You know, it's, it's honestly pretty few and far between. I'm generally pretty good about that not happening and usually it's kind of a freak accident when it does happen and so like especially like i i use type 1 tactical cases like to to keep it on my persons and because when i sleep i don't really have pockets or anything to put it in but so I, i i've gotten i've caught myself like adjusting it in the middle of the night depending on how i'm sleeping so it's in not in a position to be like ripped out um, at least my pump and so like the tubing doesn't get caught or, or underneath me or something like that. So it's, it's honestly doesn't happen a whole lot. Okay, good. Well, I'm happy to hear it. And it's funny. Well, not funny, but it was a fitting time for it to happen to you that day because right? <laughs> I was, I was actually, well, first of all, letting me know is a very good person. Well, if you let any, any diabetic know that you're feeling bad because your blood sugar is high. I instantly knew the feeling. So I was like, don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. I was also talking to the client group that I have in the program. And that same night, three people who use pumps all had their pumps fall out while they were sleeping just by chance, which was weird. It was a pandemic. I started a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, Austin, about a post that you put up on Instagram relatively recently. And you said, today was one of those days that I felt strong with diabetes. Honestly, the first time in a while, finally getting back into a good routine, not only with diabetes, but with the gym and life. So what made you feel that like you weren't strong with diabetes leading up to that? Oh, good question. I think when it comes to diabetes, a lot of the time you are relying on not only yourself, but your, your medication or your equipment or whatever else you may use to manage with that 
your your diabetes. And I think for a, a hot minute, I'd say like maybe three to six months, I had gotten really complacent and really tired of having to use and rely on that equipment rather than not having to like life without diabetes you don't have to do any of that right i got tired of of having to do it and it's relatively just stopping an alarm from my insulin pump or telling my dexcom not to yell at me um and i just got got really tired of it and i felt like i didn't really have control which made me feel like i didn't have any any strength or or um ability to have a grasp on it. And I think that was the hard part. And that's why I didn't feel like I had the, the strength to deal with diabetes because I was just tired of, tired of it. You know, you were diagnosed, if I can remember correctly, at the age of two, Austin, weren't you? Yep. Yep. So despite the fact that you got it so early in your life and you've had it for decades now at this stage. Yep. Do you almost have an expectation that you shouldn't have moments like this or periods in your life like this? Or do you feel as if, look, that's just part of diabetes? I think overall, I have higher expectations for myself when it comes to dealing with diabetes because I've had it for so long. Like I should have all the answers, right? And that's that's a fallacy that I, I tell myself because in reality, I think that it is like if you do the same job for 25 years, what are the odds that you get tired of it? They're, they're pretty high, right? <laughs> um, and that's essentially what diabetes is. It's a job just doing the same thing over and over. Maybe you get a few upgrades here, a few upgrades there. And so I, I have always told myself like, because with diabetes, I was diagnosed when I was two. So you're right, I've never known anything different. But I've been still doing the same job for those 25 years over and over and over again. So it becomes monotonous and not not super fun, you know? So I think it's it, – as humans, we tell ourselves that we're strong. We can do this and this is easy, no big deal. But in reality, you get tired of at, at times and you, you need a break, whether it be from social media or – maybe switching from an insulin pump to MDI to give yourself kind of a new job, a new task. But it's something that I think is, is natural and it's, it's healthy. Yeah, I think that's like it's always part of it. And you kind of hit the nail on the head saying that you're just doing the same job over and over and over and over. And I think what can be tricky sometimes is the fact that even though essentially it's the same job, your life around it can change a lot. Like yep. you can be in, in a different relationship, a different job, different circumstance, different environment, even a different climate. And essentially yeah, the job absolutely. is the same, but the things that go on around your life completely unrelated to it are changing, but yeah. still at the same time have a significant impact on the job that you still need to do with your diabetes. And yeah. I think that's yeah. Yeah. where things can be difficult. And I actually speak about it a lot in my program in the sense that we want to be able to have certain kind of habits and routines and non-negotiables in place so that 
we're still able to manage to a certain mm-hmm. extent without obsessing over our diabetes, but we're still able to keep our head above water when things may be hectic or chaotic around us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think I think a lot of that falls into self-discipline and mm. being able to like at because it's getting to that that spooky season it's halloween on tomorrow is that tomorrow 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 i guess so it might be today for you i don't know no, how tomorrow. time works <laughs> nearly, um nearly. okay it is tomorrow but it's it like my roommate brought home a bunch of candy and i love candy and but having the discipline to be like no like butchers or a not where i necessarily want it to be i'll eat some tomorrow if if i can get my blood sugar to act the way I want it to. And so I, I think a lot of that involves self-discipline. So like, or it could be going to the gym every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday after work or, or whatever that is. And whenever you have a new chapter in your life, so like you're starting a new job and things are changing, having those key like things that you do and that you're, you're disciplined in, I think can make a big difference um, when it comes to diabetes. And I think a lot of some of that was the reasons I was struggling with with that because I had just started a new job and it was hard because I didn't have those hard facets and disciplines that I was gonna lean into set where where I wanted them to be. That was me falling short because my routine wasn't exact or wasn't the working the way that I needed it to. It's almost like having certain foundations in place with your management despite whatever change is going on around you and even the perfect example that you used austin about going to the gym monday wednesday friday you you can find 45 minutes or an hour on those days regardless of how busy you are and maybe not even going to the gym it could just be going out for a 30 minute walk but Mm -hmm that will have a significant impact on your mood, on your energy, on your insulin sensitivity, and your overall kind of willingness and motivation to be consistent with things that can complement that sort of decision. As in, if I go to the gym today, well, realistically, I'm more inclined to eat good quality food. You know, realistically, I'm more inclined to have a better night's sleep. And these yeah, things I think it, have such yeah. a positive knock-on effect. Yeah, it's it's all about and and those, doing all of those things. And um, like again, it doesn't have to be anything like crazy. You don't have to do a full workout routine, but like waking up thirty minutes earlier and going for a walk or meal prepping your your food for the week. Those little things are only going to set you up for success because with diabetes, like we have to make decisions all day long like forever it's like kind of the worst but those little decisions like heck even putting putting your clothes out to uh like what you're gonna wear the next day makes those decisions easier and puts less stress on your mind and sets you up for for success ultimately how much austin because you've said it yourself and it jumped out at me how much of diabetes management relies on self-discipline um i would say most of it honestly Mm. um at least for me as i've 
gotten older and I've, I've lived with diabetes for as long as I have, I would rather be preventative than playing catch up and trying to chase a blood sugar. Like that, that candy example that I had from yesterday, like it, I wanted that candy. Yes, I knew it was going to taste really good because it's candy and it's chocolate and who doesn't love chocolate? But I didn't want to, it's not that I didn't want to indulge myself, but I was just going to indulge myself when it was appropriate. And I think that's what a lot of diabetes is. And I think like one example I have is for low blood sugars. I used to be the worst. I used to be the one who eats the, what I need to uh, get my blood sugar back up and then 10 times that. Um, <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that's, that's a bad thing or anybody's fault that, that do, because I mean, it still happens sometimes, but if you can get yourself to a point where you eat those fruit snacks or drink that juice and then you pause and you're like, I want more, but is it necessary? And then if you, you make, if it is necessary, go for it. I don't care. But I think being able to pause and be like, okay, I'm going to wait the 15 minutes. Cause that's what every, every doctor, every book says, wait 15 minutes and then reassess what you need. If you can do that, then you will significantly decrease waking up um, four hours later and your blood sugar skyrocketing because you ate too much uh, or you drank too much juice or whatever it is. I think a lot of discipline comes from that. And when you're super low, it, it's all reactionary, right? Your body's just trying to fuel, fuel itself because you're getting to the point of no return. But I think having discipline in moments like that makes life a lot easier especially with diabetes couldn't agree more with everything you just said and if you have it's it's so funny because i would imagine 95 percent of people listening right now are thinking of that exact moment you know their blood sugar is low and their body is screaming out to just consume every single thing in, in sight but if we have discipline in that moment, the confidence that that even gives you is unbelievable because absolutely the, the self-discipline that it requires to only treat a hypo with what's actually required is a superpower in itself. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, and, absolutely. And when our blood sugar comes back up and you kind of, you come around and feel how you should feel, when you can look back and remind yourself that in that moment you actually made a decision that benefits your health, benefits your life for the next five, six, seven, eight hours, it gives you a great sense of confidence in your management. And I always want to reiterate yeah. with low blood sugars, the absolute 100% priority is getting your blood sugar back up. But there's no yes. debate with that. But yeah, never, never, whoever's listening, don't eat one fruit snack and then wait 15 minutes. Yeah. If you yeah. do what you feel you need to, to, in order to, you know, survive, cause that's kind of the, the end goal. Um, and, but try to be aware and know what that, that stopping point is. It's like, when do I need to stop? When do I need to take a second, breathe, and then reevaluate where, 
you're at and where what your blood sugar needs absolutely and it's we're not talking about just over consuming an extra glucose tablet or two we're talking about drinking a, a carton of apple juice or drinking a glucose drink and then going to yeah. three balls of cereal or chocolate bars or, or whatever and inevitably yeah, as yeah. a result you're gonna see that rebound high so if we can have self-discipline in that incredibly difficult moment it does give you so much confidence with your management because i feel well look i can only speak from my own perspective too but i feel as if when i make a decision around my diabetes that is a difficult decision to make but i know that it benefits me that in itself almost has a knock-on effect because it's like well yeah i got up early today and i went to the gym so maybe i'll eat a healthy breakfast instead of x or i went to bed early last night and i slept through the night stable so maybe i'm gonna have um, again a healthy breakfast or whatever to to keep this run going and it's almost like yeah you can build up that momentum with your management that can give you so much confidence yeah although i think the little wins are are the best wins when it comes to diabetes um, and i think what can be difficult too but but important to remind ourselves of is the types of decisions that we're even speaking about right now, Austin, like carb counting, like pre-bolusing, like drinking water, prioritizing your sleep, all these different things that, like I, like I say all the time, individually don't make a massive difference, but together they make a significant difference. And yep. these are annoying, inconvenient decisions to make, but the way I always like to, or the way I kind of remind myself of the importance of these decisions, it's like, well, I don't really want to make them, but the benefit of me making them better is my life. The ultimate goal is to make those decisions, instead of decisions, make them habit. I think that's the ultimate goal. Because mm. if you can have, it's if it's a habit, then you don't have to think about it. You just do it. You know, like when 5.30 comes around and I'm finished with work, I have everything ready to go. Hazel's eaten. That's my dog for those of you who don't know. Um, <laughs> then like 5.30 comes around, I throw her vest on and we get in the car and we go to the gym. That's every day, regardless, not every day, every weekday-ish, regardless of how that day was, whether it's raining, whether a new movie came out that I really, really want to watch. It's It's habit. So I don't have to think about it. I just do it, you know, and I think if we can make those tiny little decisions a habit, then you set yourself up for a successful life. I call that automatic management. I always preach it within my <laughs> within my program and any of the clients like listening that. are probably like, oh, here we go again. Here we go again. But it's it's so important to remember because ultimately the goal with a life with type one diabetes is to make all of these decisions essentially without even realizing you're making them because yeah when like mm -hmm. you've said yourself austin these things are just habits they're just routine they're just your daily standards you don't even realize you're making them and then you there's so much less stress around your blood sugar there's so much less like overwhelm and less overthinking going on because it's yeah. just like boom, yeah. boom 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 i'm this is this is just part of my routine. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let me ask you this. What do you think is the hardest part of automatic management, as you like to call it? Personally. Personally or uh, generally? Up to you. Um, When you're making automatic decisions and you expect your blood sugar to be a certain way, but it's not. I think that can be the most frustrating part. And that's... Do you think that's discouraging? It can be, but when we can preempt that happening, then it's almost like we can preempt our response to it. Yeah. And the way I look at it is like, your diabetes is kind of like an 80-20 rule. You know, essentially... 80%, if not more, of the things that impact my blood sugar, I have control over. The food I eat, the insulin I take, the time I take my insulin. Do I exercise? Do I drink water? Do I actively try and manage stress, etc.? The kind of remainder 20% is like stress fluctuating. That's out of my control. Dawn phenomenon, Mm -hmm. my environment to a certain extent, blood sugar reacting from whatever out of my control. But I feel as if that 20% kind of includes your perspective on those things. And mm. it's like, yeah. if I can say to myself, well, look, I'm going to be consistent at least 80% of the time and control what I can control if and when, and I say when because highs and lows are inevitable, yeah. when I see those highs and lows, I'm better equipped with how to deal with them. And that's part of just acknowledging and accepting the fact that regardless of how well you manage your diabetes, you are still going to have highs and lows. That's just a fact. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with a hundred, a thousand percent of that because <laughs> like with diabetes, there's a lot that we can, can do to help aim for an end goal. But at the end of the day, um, there are underlying factors, stress, sleep, um, food, um, hormones for hormones. Yeah, obviously, it's there are lots of things that we can't necessarily control, and so being able to react to it in a um, not proper, but a um, what's the best word for this in a responsible way can make a huge difference in how your blood sugar rebounds uh, because of whatever situation that has cost it that was part one of this episode if you are listening to this on the day of the release part two will be out tomorrow but if you're listening on any other day part two is the next episode on our list 